Good morning, everybody. Welcome to River Glen. Uh, great to see you and, and have you with us, whether you're participating with us online or joining us uh, here in Waukesha or over at the Pewaukee uh, campus. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. Hey, before I get started, I want you to know in two weeks we're beginning a brand new message series called Simplify, and uh, we're going to learn to calm the chaos in our souls and uh, experience greater joy and freedom that Jesus uh, has for us. It's also a welcome weekend. John just uh, told you about that. Free, all-you-can-eat pancakes, can't beat that. It's going to be a great weekend. Don't miss it, and make sure that you bring somebody um, with you. Well, this summer, I watched uh, some Olympics. I'm curious, how many of you watched the Olympics? Anybody watch some of the uh, Olympics? And it reminded me of this uh, story. Maybe you've heard this story. Back in 2004 at the Olympics in Athens, Greece, Matt Emmons was on the cusp of winning his second gold uh, medal. He'd done so well in the 50-meter rifle event that in the final round, all he needed to do is hit the target. I mean, he didn't need a bullseye, uh, nothing like that. Just hit anywhere on the target, and he wins the second uh, gold medal. Well, he shot his rifle, and true to form, he hits a bullseye. Dead center. But the score didn't populate on stage. And he notices the judges murmuring a little bit um, over there. So he waited to celebrate, and it didn't populate on stage. And finally, they made the announcement that his score was zero. Because while he hit the perfect bullseye, he shot his rifle from lane two, and he hit the target in lane three. Yeah, perfect aim, wrong target. Perfect aim, wrong target. One of the reasons I think this series that we're in is so critically important, because I fear that one day we might stand before Jesus and he says to us, you know what, you had perfect aim, but you aimed at the wrong uh, target. Uh, you missed what it really means to follow me. You missed what it's really about. Following me, it's not just reading your Bible. It's not just going to church. Those things are great. But if we don't impact others, if we don't love and serve our neighbors, if we don't share the good news with other people, then we miss the, the target. I'm, I'm afraid for many of us, instead of helping more people find and follow Jesus, we settle for hoping that more people find and follow Jesus. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to help us to hit the right target. Last weekend, we began this new series called Love Where You Live. And we raised the question, why do you live where you live? In the house, the apartment, the condo, where you live probably has to do with the size or the location, some benefit to you. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But what if God actually sent you there to live? What if God put you there, not so much as a consumer, but to contribute to the lives of other people? We talked about the great commandment that Jesus gave us to love our neighbors. That's what matters the most. And it includes the people who live closest uh, to us. We invited you to uh, fill out one of these maps. We hand out these neighborhood maps. We invited you, we challenged you to write down the names of your eight closest neighbors that surround your place. And we talked about how loving our neighbor, I mean, that's not only the great commandment, it's not only the right thing to do, it is the best strategy for hitting the target and sharing the good news about uh, Jesus. We talked about this scripture right here where Jesus talks about the target with two fishermen. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. 
Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will. I'm going to pause right there because I, I want you to notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, come and follow me and I'll make you holy. Come and follow me and I'll make you more religious. No, he says, come follow me and I'm going to send you out to fish for people. I'm going to send you out to tell more people the good news about me. In other words, following Jesus, it means fishing. You know, if we're, if we're following uh, Jesus and, and we're not fishing for people, we're not helping more people find and follow uh, him, then you know what? We're missing the target because uh, fishing for people is really, really important to Jesus. And it's really, really important to us if we follow him. Following means uh, fishing. Now, I want you to notice something else about this verse. It says Peter and, and Andrew, they left their nets and followed Jesus. These guys were doing net fishing. Now, most of us, when we think of fishing, we think of somebody with a fishing pole, right? Kind of like this next picture here of our executive pastor, Don Rowe, with a fishing pole on Lake Michigan. A bunch of us, group of us, went and fished on Lake Michigan a few weeks ago, and we had a great time. In fact, Don caught the biggest fish. I mean, he caught a beautiful, about a 12-pound coho uh, salmon. It looks a little bit bigger. I showed this picture to somebody who knows a lot about fishing, and they said, that looks like about a 20-pound salmon. It looks a little bigger. Here's why. We learned a trick. If you hold the fish closer to the camera, <laughs> it looks bigger. So, you know, you can use that secret, all right, next time you're fishing and you catch a fish. We had a great time, but that's how you fish if you're fishing for fun, if you're fishing as a hobby on the weekend. You, you fish with a fishing pole. But if fishing is your mission, if it's the target, if it's your livelihood, if it's how you feed your family, uh, you don't fish with one guy with a pole. You get as many people together as you can, and you get as big of a net as you can, and you end up fishing like that. And so when Jesus sends Peter and Andrew to fish for people, remember, they were professional fishermen. This was their livelihood. This is how they fed their families. This meant life or death. And so Jesus is thinking about net fishing. However, in many churches, you know what, it's more like, you know, one guy you know, with one fishing pole, maybe on the stage on the uh, weekend. But Jesus calls all of us that follow him to serve together as a network of people flung out into our neighborhoods and into our schools and into our workplaces and into the world to fish for people and share the good news about Jesus. And throughout the Bible, this is the target. God wants us to aim it. Look at this. All the way in the beginning of the Bible, way back in Genesis chapter 12. Look at what God says to Abraham, the father of our faith. God says, I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. Why? Because you will be a blessing to others. God blessed Abraham. God blesses all of us to be a blessing. Jesus reiterates this in Matthew chapter 28. He says, therefore, go. All of you, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The word go here, it means as you go, as you live your life, whatever you do, be on mission for, for, for Jesus, caring for people and blessing them with the good news. Now, I know some of you right now, you're probably breaking a little bit of a sweat. And you're like, come on, Ben, you know, I, I work 60 hours. 
a week, and I've got 2.5 kids and a minivan, and my kids play soccer. I don't have time. I don't have time for anything else, and I don't really know how to help people find and follow Jesus. What if somebody asked me a question, and I don't know the answer, but I got some really good news for you today. The approach I'm going to share with you today, it doesn't take more time but it just takes more intentionality. It's about taking things you're already doing and thinking about them in a different way. It's about going through your life and keeping an eye on the mission of helping more people find and follow Jesus, not just hoping that more people find and, and follow him. And you're going to see this approach. It's a lot easier and simpler and more fun uh, than you might think. And anybody can do it, even if you're, you're watching today and and you're not, you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you can use and adapt these principles to develop better relationships and make more of an impact uh, with your life. But before I share this simple approach, I also I want to share with you some research that I think is really exciting and uh, encouraging. According to Gallup Research, came out right before COVID, almost 90% of Americans say they believe in God. Almost 90%. That's a high number. Think about your friends. Think about 10 of your friends. Nine of them would say, yeah, I believe in God. They may not know anything about church or the Bible or have a personal relationship with Jesus. But most of the people around you, they already believe in God. And they just need somebody that they know and trust to help them find the one true God. Check this out. About 80% of people who are not part of any church said, I am open to talking about faith with someone who is a friend and values it themselves. And the younger the adults, like 20s and 30s, the, that percentage went up even higher. The vast majority of people, they're wide open. And they're interested in talking about this with a friend, with somebody they trust and feel comfortable with. Barna Research asked another question. What do you value the most in a person you would feel comfortable with talking about spiritual uh, matters. I want to share with you the top two qualities that non-Christians said would make them feel comfortable talking about spiritual uh, matters. Here's the first one. Someone who would listen without judgment. Someone who would just hear my questions and care enough to listen and not try to uh, convince me or coerce me or convert me. But the sad news is two-thirds of them said they don't have anybody like that that fits that description in their life. Here's the second quality. They said, I would be comfortable if somebody would just allow me to draw my own conclusions. Uh, you don't try to force a conclusion on them. You just let them have their own spiritual journey because if the message of Jesus is true, it's going to prove itself, uh, right? And we can trust that God's going to do his part to help them just like God helped me and God helped you on your journey. I want you to think about these two qualities that, that non-Christians said would make them feel comfortable talking about spiritual uh, matters. Somebody who listens without judgment and somebody who offers counsel without forcing a conclusion on them and loves them no matter what. What do we call this kind of person? What do we call someone who fits that description? That's a friend, right? We call that a friend. Do we really need new research and new data to tell us what people are really hungry for, what people are looking for, is a, a, a friend. And if that was true before COVID, I believe it's even true now more than ever. People are hungry for friendship and hungry for God. People have felt more isolated than ever before, and they hunger 
for community and friendship. And of all the things Jesus was known for, one of the things he was known for the most, he was known as a great friend to other people. In fact, religious leaders, they criticized Jesus for this. They said, yeah, Jesus, he's a friend of sinners. He's a friend of moral failures. And Jesus said, exactly. (laughs) Uh, That's true. Now you're getting it. He was a friend to everyone. One more piece of research before I share with you a simple approach that we can use to not just hope more people find and follow Jesus, but we can actually help people find and follow him. I came across this research project done with two different missionary teams. Both of them went to Thailand with similar goals, but they had different strategies, different approaches. The first group went with a goal to convert people, to save souls, to win people to Christianity. The second group had a similar goal, but they stated their intentions in a different way. They said, We're here to bless whoever God sends our way. And the study followed both groups for a couple years. And the findings really surprised them. Number one, they discovered the blesser group made a positive, beautiful impact in the community. They helped the poor. People felt encouraged. They contributed to the betterment of society. The blessers made a big impact. But the presence of the converters made almost no noticeable difference in the community. The second finding was even more surprising. The blesser group who said, we're here to bless people, the blesser group, had they they saw 48 people come and start following Jesus. Uh, And the converters saw only one. 50 times more people said yes to Jesus as a result of people saying, we're here to bless and love people, as opposed to to those who said, we're here to convert you. So here's what this means for us. The best approach to hitting the target and sharing the good news about Jesus and helping people follow him, it looks more like making a friend than preaching a sermon. And so today I want to share with you a strategy to help us become part of the blesser group. Now, this strategy has been around for many years. A great book just came out about it called Bless, uh, How to Love Your Neighbor and Change the World by Dave and John Ferguson. Great book if you'd like to find out more uh, about this. And you're going to see it doesn't necessarily take more time, but it does take more intentionality. I'm going to use the word bless as an acronym. And we're going to begin with the letter B, which stands for begin with prayer. Not necessarily more time in prayer, but in the prayers I have, I make sure that I'm saying, God, show me who I can bless today. God, show me someone that I can love, that needs love today. Because prayer opens our heart and mind to receive direction from God and discover the people and the places where God sends us to bless. I love this quote from Hudson Taylor. He said, do not uh, have your concert first and then tune your instrument uh, afterwards. Begin the day with the word of God and prayer and get first of all into harmony with him. Makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, tune your instrument before the concert. Get in tune with God because prayer not only guides us, prayer activates God's power, and and on our own, we don't have power to change anybody. I can't change anybody. You can't change anybody. But God 
can. Last weekend, we had you fill out, we challenged you to start filling out your neighborhood map, those eight neighbors that surround where, where you live. Now, here's the challenge today. I want you to take this map, maybe put it someplace where you can see it as a reminder to pray for your neighbors every day. Pray for their health. Pray for their family. Pray for their future. And pray for the opportunity to bless your neighbors. And you know what? While you're praying for them, you're already beginning to bless them. B stands for begin with prayer. And then L stands for listen. We live in a world where hardly anybody listens. Most people are far more interested in speaking than listening to what others say. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, loneliness has increased dramatically in our country. According to Cigna Health uh, survey from January 2020, three in five adults report feeling lonely. That's 23 million more lonely people than two years before. And with uh, COVID and social distancing, the number of adults feeling isolated and lonely and unheard is greater than ever. Uh, David Augsburger says this, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. I mean, so many people hunger for a friend who will listen. Here's a definition for listening. Listening is giving focused and loving attention to another. So if you have a neighbor, maybe you wave, you know, to that neighbor as you walk by. What if you just stopped and engaged in a conversation and ask how they're doing? And really listen to them. Maybe you've got a coworker who's going through a tough time. What if you stopped and you're, you're all there? You're all present. And you really listen to how they're uh, doing. But notice what I didn't say. I didn't say listening means, you know, hearing and then having to respond or, or having to say something profound or having to fix the problem. That's not what this is about. Most people really want to be heard. They want someone who will listen to them with intention and with focus, like they might actually really care about them. And when somebody feels heard by you and loved by you, they start to trust you, and they start to become friends with you. And and remember, people really are interested in hearing about faith, talking about faith, with someone they consider a friend. And when you really listen to someone, love is exchanged and friendship is formed. So B stands for begin with prayer. L stands for listen. And then here's my favorite one. E stands for eat. Now this might surprise you, but one of the best ways to follow Jesus and bless other people is to eat with them. Share a meal uh, with them. I, I came across a, a picture, maybe some of you saw this, that went viral on social media. Robert and Amy Wadford took their kids, their six kids, to a restaurant. And uh, one of their kids, a little three-year-old boy named Brecken, noticed a man in the restaurant sitting by himself and eating. And Brecken says to his mom and dad, that isn't right. That man's eating alone. And this little kid, he just can't get this off his mind. We got to do something about this. And mommy and daddy, we, we, need to, we need to eat dinner with this man. And they're just trying to get little Brecken to focus on his kid's meal, you know, to try to eat his food. But he won't have any, any of it, and he gets more insistent. I want to have dinner with that man. It gets to the point <laughs> where it's kind of embarrassing in the restaurant, and the mom senses uh, a tantrum is about to break out. And so she scoops up Brecken, and she starts walking 
to take him to the car, but they got to walk by this guy in the restaurant. And the guy uh, notices them and he stops them because he overheard everything. He knows what's going on and he says, he can sit with me if you want. Uh, you know, that would be fine. It would, it would actually be nice. And now the mom doesn't know what to do. She's confused. She puts Brecken down and immediately Brecken climbs up the chair and sits down and he, and he begins eating dinner uh, with this man. Here's a picture of it. That, uh, th that's the picture that went uh, viral. And, you know, the two of them just sat and, and uh, ate chips and salsa and had a lovely conversation. Brecken and this man's name was Darius. And when it came time uh, to go, Brecken says bye uh, to Darius like he knew him all of his life. Now I think I know why this picture went viral. Because we need more of that. More of just caring about uh, people. More reaching out and blessing others and inviting others to share a meal together. Because sharing a meal, I mean, it just takes everything to another level, doesn't it? I mean, sharing a meal with someone is a powerful uh, experience. And that's why Jesus ate meals with lots and lots of people as a way to notice people, as a way to include people, as a way to bless people, as a way to be friends, make friends with people. One time uh, while traveling through the city of Jericho, Jesus notices this guy named Zacchaeus who had climbed up a tree so that he could see Jesus while Jesus traveled by. Zacchaeus looked very successful on the outside. But on the inside, he was empty. And he'd, he had done a bunch of bad things in the past. And he had no future. And he lived. He was far from God. Jesus walks by and sees Zacchaeus. And do you know what Jesus said to Zacchaeus? Did he say, Zacchaeus, you're making some horrible choices. You're believing things that are untrue. You're living a sinful lifestyle, Zacchaeus. And you need to repent because your life is out of uh, control. Did he say that? No, he didn't. He didn't say that. Now, those things were true. Zacchaeus needed to repent, but that's not where Jesus began. And he didn't say, Zacchaeus, people like you disgust me. And he didn't, you know, walk by and ignore Zacchaeus and pretend that he wasn't there. He, he didn't do any of that. Instead, Jesus stopped and he said, Zacchaeus, let's have lunch. Uh, in fact, let's, let's do it at your place. What are you doing right now? And it says they went to the home of Zacchaeus and shared a meal. And, and look at what the scripture says. It says salvation came to that house that day. And it all started by sharing a sandwich. Uh, it's a powerful experience to share a meal with, with, with someone. And, and I know, you know, many of us are, are, are busy, right? But it, think about it. It doesn't take more time, right? I mean, uh, you're going to eat <laughs> unless you're a robot. Now, you're going to eat meals probably 21 times this week. Ask yourself this question. Who is someone I could share one meal with this week who needs blessing? Now, some of you are thinking, but, you know, I don't have time to cook and have somebody over to my house and my place is not very fancy and I don't feel very comfortable having somebody over. I'm not a very good cook. Listen, don't let that be a barrier. You don't necessarily have to have them over to your place. You can go out to eat. You can meet them for coffee. How about this? You can have yourself invited over to their place. That's what Jesus did. Jesus never hosted a dinner at his place. And he was really good at this. 
And, and by the way, this is why we offer food. That's why we, uh, we offer food at River Glen in our lobbies, coffee, and all summer long we've had food uh, available. I checked the menu if anybody's uh, getting hungry, and uh, we've got uh, pulled pork sandwiches in the lobby here at Waukesha, and we've got tacos uh, today over at uh, Pewaukee, so uh, dive in and dig in today, and uh, maybe you can share a meal and enjoy that with, with someone. And then the first S stands for serve. Serve. Something beautiful about the blessed strategy. After you've prayed for someone and listened with them and ate with them and shared a meal with them, you probably know how you can serve that person. You probably have ideas. Sometimes what we do is we just jump in right here and we start serving somebody. But after we've listened uh, to them, uh, we can really serve them uh, well. Maybe you call somebody on the phone who's feeling lonely. Maybe you buy groceries for somebody who can't get out of the house. Maybe you mow somebody's uh, grass. Somebody shared with me this week how their neighborhood has a Facebook group. And one of the ladies in the neighborhood posted on Facebook how her husband had suffered a stroke and now she had knee surgery and, and needed some help. She requested meals. 15 people responded on Facebook. And offered help and began providing meals. Maybe you start a Facebook group for your neighborhood or use the Nextdoor app. And when people know how much you care about them, uh, they, they begin to trust you as a friend. They care more about what you care about. And then the second S stands for story. I want you to notice how really the first four letters are kind of nonverbal. Uh, you can begin with prayer silently to God. You can listen with your ears, not your mouth. You can eat and sit down physically next to somebody and share a meal with them. And you can serve with your hands and feet. The first four are kind of nonverbal. And nonverbal is powerful. But eventually when it comes to blessing people the way that Jesus did, you need to use words. If you want somebody to know the good news about Jesus, they will need to hear it. And I know some Christians feel scared and reluctant to uh, talk about Jesus. I get that. Maybe you've seen Christians who are always, you know, angry and ranting on social media or yelling and cramming Bible verses down somebody's throat. And if, if, if that's what you're afraid of, uh, good. <laughs> uh, don't do that because that's not what you're called to do. Look at what Peter says about this. If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Look at this. But do this in a gentle and a respectful way. So if you're one of those believers who thinks you're helping by ranting and uh, arguing and, and always coming across as preachy and judgy, but you're not doing it in a way that leaves other people feeling respected because of your gentleness, according to the Bible, you're doing it the wrong way. Please think about this. It's not about you being right. It's about the beauty and the love of Jesus and helping more people find and follow him. It's about having a conversation where you're invited to share some of the reasons why your life is different. And when you share the difference that Jesus has made uh, in your life, you're not imposing your beliefs on somebody. You're being a friend. You're blessing somebody. It's, easy as, it's as easy as sharing with someone what your life was like before Jesus and how your life is different since Jesus. So those are the five uh, blessed practices. Begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, 
share your story. By the way, we've got the, the blessed practices listed on a card if you'd like to pick one up at the uh, connect wall after the service. But instead of me just telling you about the blessed practices, I want you to see an example of somebody who lives this out. Take a look. Hi, I'm Kelly Howard. I'm John Howard. So there was kind of a timeline that um, moving from the town of Waukesha to Pewaukee, we had talked about it for probably four to five years. It just got to the point where um, the boys were away at school. And then we realized that we weren't even using a lot of our house anymore. And um, it just became apparent that we were getting closer and closer to that time. And then at the same time, the Unfinished Initiative came about, and so we talked about ways of giving more. That was actually the catalyst. It was like, okay, we're going to make this pledge, so how can we reduce our budget and spending so we can give that money away? And the easiest way for us to do it was to downsize in the condo, sell the house. And I, I really do believe, I think we believe, that it was God's timing where it was like, okay, now is the time. And the whole sequence of events of selling a home and everything that happens when you sell a house, the inspections, the, the water testing, the septic testing, it just all went perfectly smooth. Everything fell into place. And uh, all of a sudden there was the exact perfect condo for us. And again, so we just believe that was God saying, yes, now is the time. Here's what, here's what I have for you. When we moved, we didn't say goodbye to anybody because we never had a relationship with them other than just like waving from, you know, a couple acres away. Years. Yeah, we lived on Brook Hill Drive for 23 years. And last night we were trying to come up with neighbors' names and oh we struggled to come up with four names. Very, we were very clear, like our next place where we go, we want to be involved in a community of neighbors. We want to be involved in people's lives. And we knew we could get that in a condo. It was literally instantaneous. We were... In, I remember being in our garage and our neighbor next door pulls up and she's pulling bikes out of her trunk and it was like this instantly, oh, we love this neighbor already. She rides bikes, John rides bikes. And easily right now, we could come up with over 20 names. We, we definitely have friends here. Um, we, before COVID, we would definitely go to dinner at least once a month, and there could be up to 20 people at dinner, you know, going from the to, condo, yeah. From the condo and easily meet people, and you know, we sometimes go around the table and say something. And I we'll even remember being bit. at a dinner you prayed. Oh, yeah. So, I think in the past, um, we were more consumers, certainly of time and relationships. Like, we didn't want to, we didn't go out of our way to build relationships. And by purposely, intentionally, like when we decided to move to the condo land, um, we said we want to be part of a community. We want to have influence. We want friends. We want neighbors. That's been the difference from living in the town of Waukesha to moving over here to condo land where, you know, we are purposefully engaging our neighbors and just hanging out. And, you know, it's that whole thing, doing life together. We've had great, great conversations, you know, of, of um, a spiritual nature with people because they know our faith, they know who we believe in, and everyone goes through life and they, they need someone to talk to and maybe, you know, help them on that next step to know Jesus. We never experienced that living in the house, so you know you've got a great relationship with people that way. You know, something I love about that video, you see John and Kelly and two others. Those two others are not, you know, actors. Those are not paid actors. Those are real neighbors. Isn't that great? Let's give John and Kelly a hand for sharing their 
uh, story. They're practicing the good example of the blessed practices. You know, they didn't know any of their neighbors. They felt convicted. They got to know, intentionally got to know their neighbors. They pray for their neighbors by name. They get together on their, their, their patio. They uh, eat together. Uh, John told me he serves as the uh, bike mechanic in the uh, neighborhood. He does adjustments and uh, tune-ups for their bicycles. John says almost every night he and Kelly, they go for a walk in the neighborhood and they'll stop and have conversations with neighbors. And because they've, they've, they've got to know them and develop friendships, oftentimes people will open up with John and Kelly and they naturally have the opportunity to have spiritual conversations and invite people uh, to church. God has put John and Kelly in that neighborhood for a purpose. And God has put you where you live for a, a purpose too. And that's what it looks like. Not just to hope people find Jesus, but to actually help people find and follow him. That's what it looks like to bless others. It looks like friendship. And uh, that's how Jesus relates to people. Jesus was a great friend to everyone. Take a look at this verse where uh, he talked about friendship. This is my commandment. Jesus said, love each other in the same way I have loved you. In other words, extend friendship. He wants his followers to extend blessing to others because there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. The greatest example of friendship is what Jesus did by laying his life down and sacrificing uh, for us. So what I want to do today as we uh, end uh, the message, I want to invite everyone to share communion together as friends of Jesus. We've got communion available on the tables in the back of the room. If you're watching online, this is a great opportunity uh, for you to grab a salad and a liquid, maybe some bread and some juice and join us too. Our communion is open to anyone who says yes to friendship with Jesus. Let's remember what Jesus did for us to lay down his life and how he sends us out to bless, to extend blessing and friendship to others. Let's go ahead and take this uh, together. The uh, bread represents the body of Jesus. Let's eat the bread together. The juice represents the blood of Jesus. Let's drink the juice together. It's so good to share that together as, as a community of friends of Jesus. We've been blessed to be a blessing. God sends us out to bless others, and that is the target. Let me pray uh, for us. God, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for blessing us so richly, so abundantly through Jesus, laying down his life for us. God, would you move in a big way in our lives throughout our church to help us to see ourselves as people who are now called to be a blessing to others, that we would be a people of prayer and that we would be present and really listen to others. God, help us to share meals this week with someone who needs blessing and love and to serve and share our story. Help us become more aware of the great blessings that Jesus has given us so that we bless those around us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.